You're now tuned in to The Investor Show, where we teach simple wealth creation for the common investors. With investment advisor, award-winning author, international speaker, and founder of Royal Financial Investment Group, Prince Dykes. Once again, guys, welcome to The Investor Show as always. This is your host, Prince Dykes, coming to you guys on this night. Beautiful Friday morning. It's always beautiful in Hawaii, but I don't know where you're at in the world, but uh, <laughs> I hope it's good to you as well. Uh, hope you guys been enjoying the show and liking the show. Uh, I know you guys probably saw the topic in the new election, the Is Donald, is Donald's America's Trump card? <laughs> is Donald America's Trump card? Uh, as always, as you don't forget to hit the like, subscribe, share button, all the other great stuff. You guys got some questions or feedback, drop some comments. Send some emails. But uh, before we jump into the show, let me cut into it and give you guys a couple of uh, words from my sponsors. Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't have any sponsors. But if you want to be a sponsor, shoot me an email and let's talk about it. But as anyway, I don't have a lot of time. I definitely know you guys don't have a lot of time, so we're going to jump straight into it. So on today's topic, you know, I brought back, if you guys haven't seen James Portland's past episode that he was here that you guys liked and loved, bringing in James, who has spent over 40-something years on Wall Street, managed billions of dollars, billion-dollar fund manager, you know, all these, he's seen the, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010, and with this election, that this monumental election that we just had, a lot of you guys have been writing me and asking me, hey, Prince, what should I do? What, what, you know, what's going on? What should I buy? What should I sell? So you know what? Hey, you know, I said, hey, James, you know, we got to do this episode on Friday. It's a lot of people asking. So he's here now. So Mr. Fortland, let's give a round of applause for Mr. James Fortland. How you doing, Mr. Fortland? How are you? I'm afraid the weather <laughs> is never as nice in New York as it probably is in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's all it's, it, it all matters on what's on the inside you know if you can just see the Hawaii weather and just feel it on the inside then yeah, I guess you know what I absolutely I got it I keep it inside me all the time it makes me nice and warm yeah you, you don't live in New York because of the weather there's a lot of other great things about New York but I wouldn't put the weather in the top 10 oh um, yeah yeah anyway it was so, a crazy uh-huh. night last night Crazy, uh, crazy night. Yeah, you know, we just had the new president of Donald Trump is now our president. What do you think of this? Would you, would you, would, did you think this would happen? Uh, yes. I thought he was going to win. Um, I thought the polls were, first of all, polling is kind of weird. I, th- I think a lot of people don't understand that news organizations use polls really to direct public opinion, not to reflect public opinion. So to steal like what Trump was saying, you know, everything's rigged. Well, the polls are always just kind of manipulated because they're trying to get everyone to do a certain thing. As you get closer to the event, the polls all of a sudden tighten up because the pollsters don't want to look silly and go, well, I picked Hillary by 10 points and Trump won by two points. I look like I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, so as you got closer, I think it was more of a fact. It wasn't that Trump was gaining so much at the end. I think it was the polls were really reflecting more the real reality of what was going on. Um, 
the polls still at 7.30 on election night, that's New York time, um, were basically saying she was going to win, uh, which I just, I wasn't buying that at all. I just, there was too many weird things going on. The market had traded very poorly. That's usually a sign that you're going to get a change. Um, and basically Hillary was kind of the status quo uh, candidate, and Trump has been kind of, like we said, like the wild, like he might be the Trump card, but up at this point he's still like the wild card. We're just not really sure yet. Um, so if you noticed when it got really clear that he was going to win last night and, and a lot of the, the media was very slow to call states, like what was really funny is it was almost a dead giveaway. If Hillary looked like there, she was going to win it pretty much except for Virginia, they called it pretty quickly. If Trump was up and it was close, they'd keep saying the state was a toss-up. They knew he won Florida like probably a good hour before they called it. Um, they knew there was like, there is the really Ohio also. Ohio probably sat there for a good 45 minutes before they called it. Everybody knew he won it already. Um, Pennsylvania was a little different because they were really slow. Uh, they were very slow from the time the polls closed to when they were, they started like showing the data. So Pennsylvania was kind of strange. And Pennsylvania's kind of an odd state anyway. Cause it, it's, um, you have kind of a lot of rural and country areas, um, you know, and then you have two big cities. You have Pittsburgh and, and Philly that really dominate the map in, in Pennsylvania. So, it, it, you know, you have that going on. Um, anyway, if you notice, mm-hmm. when it looked like Trump was going to win, the futures sold off enormously. I mean, they were down 800. I think maybe I, I read. I didn't actually notice it. I, I read. I think they were down 900 mm-hmm. points at one time. Yeah, now, it, the, it, was, it, was, it was pretty crazy how it happened. You know, not not to, to cut you off anything. You know, uh, going back to what you were saying about the election piece. When I saw him take Ohio, I was like, "Whoa!" Uh, and then when I saw him take Florida, I kind of knew that it was over. But like you said, you know, uh, how you going into the reaction? And that's the next thing that I want to talk about. So you know, I want to get everybody to to stay tuned as we get into the Trump reaction. All right. Mm-hmm. You are tuned into The Investor Show. So well, they, with that, right. what was that reaction? How would you explain that reaction? Well, first, it, it was kind of weird. It was, uh, there was kind of a sell-off because a lot of the powers that be were su- surprised, supposedly, um, I would say you got to be really careful of the futures markets. I always say the futures markets like play for the TV audience. Ever since like CNBC and Bloomberg TV and uh, Fox Business and all these stations now are watching, are like you know, it's 24/7 on the stock market. I have a tendency to think that colors the futures market. It's kind of like they put on a show almost in the morning um, or overnight, and they don't necessarily. Ref- what what traders really think um we were i i believe i told you the last time we spoke that i thought if trump wins we're gonna have a big sell-off right away because that's kind of like the way it was sitting at the time but you called you called it you called it big time you definitely said on the last it's definitely recorded and published that you said yeah we're gonna have 
we, everybody's going to get scared. Everybody's going to slam off. That's why when I saw it, I was like, James, you yep. you, you definitely was on to something because we definitely saw that uh, that big sell. But, James, the so people out there who, when you said the word Dow Jones futures, because, you know, I had people saying, hey, man, the, dark, the, the stock market is crashing. I'm like, dude, the stock market is not even open right now. So could you explain right. to people what the Dow Jones future is, that regular old Joe Blow person that saw the stocks flopping in the middle of the night? Right. This is really uh, futures trading is uh, futures are kind of like people are betting on future moves. Like when the market opens, they're kind of it's almost like uh, think of it as like you're uh, you're you're betting on horse races or a boxing match. And it's three weeks out before the boxing match even happens. And you're already taking bets. And as you get closer and closer to the date, the odds keep shifting up and down. Like all of a sudden you find out one of the fighters has a cold. So suddenly the odds drop very significantly for him to win the, win the fight. And then, uh, so the futures kind of play like that. It's kind of like a big game. You got to think of it as entertainment. It's not necessarily real. Um, when they start talking about overseas markets, like they say the Japanese market is down, well, that's a whole different story because that's actually a real that's really a real, you know, that would be the Tokyo Stock Exchange. That's stocks that are traded in Japan, or you might see Hong Kong or, or some of these other, or maybe even some of the European markets, like you might see London. Um, the, the futures are kind of like, it, it's kind of speculating, really, what's going to happen when the market opens. And at first, there was like this big show where they sold off huge, which... Uh, like a lot of your viewers uh, clearly picked up on. They were nervous because it scares people sometimes. Um, then if you noticed this morning when the market did finally open at 930, it opened down, but then by the end of the day, you had a pretty strong rally. Now, there was some other weird things going on where a lot of people don't know, which I just found out fairly recently. It's It's been reported from a couple of different sources, is that... During the morning, the traders on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange were chanting, lock her up, lock her up, while they were when the market opened. They were all chanting this at the opening bell. Um, wow. They were, so they were going to do your stock exchange saying, hey, let's, let's lock, you know, lock the market up and not let it fall? Well, no, they were saying, let's lock Hillary up. <laughs> oh, lock her up. Wow. Yeah, lock her up. They wanted to like, like, Wall Street was happy. Right. Well, I think this is the way I look at it. The more you, you see, one of the problems you have with Trump is Trump was a phenomenon. He's not a regular politician. And when he ran for president, he showed up with all the baggage that a normal guy like you and me would have. And what they're going to do is they're going to drag out, oh, my God, that girl he went out with when he was 13, he was mean to her and didn't buy her a flower. And, like, she's going to be on TV and cry about how he was mean to her. And, like, everybody, you know, whereas when you deal with professional politicians, their whole life is prearranged. And they do everything so that when they run for president, no 13-year-old that they went out with when they were 13 is going to show up anywhere because that stuff has all been taken care of ahead of time. So they, when you deal with professional politicians, they have this very polished image, and Trump didn't have that image. Trump was a, you know, he had been on reality TV. He was a fairly famous, outspoken New Yorker. I mean, he, he had a lot of things going on. He's been married three times. He's like, you know, he's done a lot of things. So 
What I think has happened and what happened with this whole election is the media couldn't, they couldn't understand him and they didn't understand the whole Trump phenomenon. So they never sat down like none of those, uh, none of the media companies ever went to a Trump rally or actually talked to Trump supporters and said, what do you really think? Why do you like Trump? What's going on in your life that attracts you to this kind of message? They never did that. They just said, well, he's a racist and he's this. And they just rattled off these pat things and sort of discarded him and discarded all the people who were enthusiastic by his message. And that's not really, you know, that you're not going to find out much. And I think that's one of the reasons the polls were so inaccurate. And then, so I think the market, when, the, when, when Trump won, the market, at first there was a little of that reflection. Oh, my God, this crazy guy, he might be a, you know, he's a, he's a messiah. He's a racist. He's this. He's that. He's blah, blah, blah. He never showed his tax returns and blah, 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 and all this stuff, you know. Um, but, now, but very quickly the market started to digest. And what do we really know about Donald Trump? Well, we know, obviously, he's had a very populist message. Um, he's criticized the government heavily for being basically incompetent and being too much, you know, too much government, the whole idea of the government doing everything for everybody. Um, but, he, but even more than that, he's really just, he just said, these guys don't know what they're doing. And I think a lot of people who walk around and say, okay, we just gave Iran a nuclear weapon, so they're not going to make other nuclear weapons? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Or, like, free trade sounds really cool, but somehow we seem to be on the losing end of all these things. We're not really making out, whereas Mexico, like, we've run a trade deficit with Mexico 22 straight years. Well, maybe that's just a statistical anomaly, but that's something there. Jobs are fleeing. Now, Mexico also, by the way, has a much better corporate tax policy than the U.S. does. So that's why a lot of companies are moving down there. So they're moving there, and then they're turning around, and they're selling the goods right back into the U.S. So it's, it's sort of interesting. Oh, wow. But So the fear over Trump was uh, not the status quo. He's going to mess up all these cozy relationships that we all see in Washington, all the deals that everybody has made, all the lobbying. Like the media just couldn't figure him out because he's, he was self-funded or by people like you and me just sent him $5 or $25. That's where all the money came from. He had a few big people around him who were kind of these, these packs that were sort of promoting him or attacking Hillary. Um, but, he, you know, he, he kind of like to some degree, the way the media has presented him, he's kind of this wild, caught, crazy man that um, we just didn't know what to expect. But Wall Street is very smart. And the people in the know know, let's, what do we really know about Trump or what do we suspect? We suspect that Trump is the guy. He's putting the band back together. He's talking to Arthur Laffer who did the Laffer curve, he's talking to all the guys involved with the Reagan revolution in the early 1980s. And that was a huge economic boom coming out of a disastrous 1970s, many similar issues, incompetent government, bad policies, too big government, a lot of the same things, a lot of the same problems, a lot of people not working, um, there was hyperinflation where now maybe a lot of people will say we have deflation to some degree. But like, there, there, it, it, there's a lot of similarities. 
Now, what did, let's go back and look at Reagan. Reagan picked guys at Dr. Laffer said, wow, taxes are really high. If we simplify the tax code and we cut mm-hmm. taxes a little bit, the government's actually going to make more money because we're going to encourage a lot of transactions. We're going to encourage business formation. We're going to encourage businesses to be closed. We're going to encourage a lot of things to happen. And all those transactions are going to generate taxes. And, okay. it, you know, so, the real... So- James, before we go any further, I want to make sure we do like a little recap to where people know exactly where you are as far as when you spoke about the Dow Jones futures. Uh, James was stating that, you know, it's a 24-hour market where people place place bets that where the market is going to be at by this time or expiration date. Hey, I think the market is going to be here. And what the media was doing, the media was using that to say, hey, look, the market is up, the market is down. But the actual right. market doesn't open up until 9.30 on Wall Street. So if it's at midnight, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, what market are they talking about? I knew a lot of people was lost about that, and I'm glad that you brought that up. What you were seeing was these people that, you know, you have people that can trade the market pre-market, after market. You have a forex market and stuff like that. Now, what James was hinting on about um, when he was talking about when you look at Japan or Tokyo's market, that's a real market. He was saying, hey, we're in, obviously we're in different time zones, and that Tokyo market could actually be open, and that's the real market versus us. We, we have people that are trading right now as we're speaking of where they think the Dow Jones is going to be, where they think the S&P 500 is going to be. These people, when they saw Trump winning and gaining pressure, they started betting the market was going to go down. That wasn't the real right. market. That was people right. doing that they, to the actual market. They're speculating on, on what's going to happen at 930. So the futures are all like they're trying to predict what's going on. And a lot of times and, the predictions... And that's what people saw. Yes. And that's why people thought the market was down 900 points because, like, you know, Trump has been presented. I mean, like, I have friends in Europe, and they're like, oh, my God, this isn't going to be the guy who's going to have the codes. He's going to start a nuclear war. And I'm like, you know, he's not going to start a nuclear war. <laughs> you know, he's like, you know, like, what do we, we, we we're going to go back. What do we, why did it start, why did it stabilize? Why, first of all, the futures, to some degree, become a self-fulfilling prophecy. They kind of work it out, and while this thing is bouncing around and selling off, all these guys are suddenly collecting all this information and going, wow, you know what? Trump isn't crazy. He's talking to Arthur Laffer. He's, he's, he's talking about bringing Larry Kudlow into the cabinet. We, you know, Larry Kudlow is on TV now. We see him all the time. He's, he's talking about doing a lot. He's talking about he's already announced he's going to make, he wants to make major tax cuts. He wants to simplify the tax code. Wow, sounds like Ronald Reagan. You know, it's, it's like, now, mind you, by saying all these things, I don't mean all these things are perfect, but I'm just talking like, now, now all, three hours into this thing and the futures are bouncing all over, suddenly we're getting like the sun's coming up, Trump's won this thing, and people are like, you know what, maybe it's nuts, maybe we kind of do know what to expect, maybe we kind of know what's going on. And that's why today, like when the market did open, it opened down a little bit. It stabilized, and at the end of the day, we we ended up with a pretty strong rally on about double volume only trades at. So it was uh, it was like you know, what were we up like two hundred and fifty points? I think it was one point four percent or something like that. Um, this what 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 you're so what however now I put a caveat because we saw we went from the future saying we're going to be down nine hundred, the market closed up. We're in a very volatile situation right now. There's going to be a lot of crazy stuff going to go on in the next two weeks. 
you see there's protests in New York that Trump won. Those are like move on org people already organized a protest over Trump. Right? Um, there's, there's a lot of happy people on the losing side, on the Democratic side, because let's face it, not only do they not have the presidency now, they don't have the Congress. I think there's 38 state houses that are controlled by Republicans. And now we're going to pick both. Yeah, and now we're going to pick, right, they, have, they control the Congress, the Senate, and the House. They have the executive branch. They have most state capitals, like 38 out of 50 states, they have the state capitals, right, that control that. And now we're going to pick cool. So the Democrats are real, like, they're, like, looking for angles here because they don't have a lot of leverage right now. They're really, they're hurt. And, and they also, let's face it, they had to go, who ran, who did they run? They ran an old guy named Bernie Sanders. What was he, like, 70-something years old? <laughs> And then when Hillary Clinton, they ran Hillary Clinton, and she's no spring chicken. She's like in her late 60s. So mm-hmm. there, there's no, it doesn't seem to be any young, real young, up-and-coming Democrats that are like there that are big enough yet. So they have a lot of issues. So they're going to, they're going to that for quite a while here every minute. So the market's going to start looking at those things. Um, the market is going to start looking and say, hey, wait a minute. What's gonna? What's the repercussions if they change NAFTA? What's the repercussions if they go back in and renegotiate the the the, the Iran nuke deal? What's the repercussions if we actually repeal Obamacare, which is which is another big thing that really helped Trump that everybody was trying to ignore? Let's face it, most people got their premium increases in October, and the premium increases are astronomical for most people. There, there's no way you can afford it. It's, un- it's totally unaffordable. And then if you can't afford it, the, deductible, the deductibles are so high, you can't really use it anyway. And it, so it's, it's, it's like crazy. So I think a lot of people got that, like got that in the mail in October. So here we are in November, and we're looking at all those, those sort of kind of blue-collar people in Michigan that normally would maybe vote for Democrats or probably voted for Barack Obama. Now suddenly are sitting there going, wow, this really didn't work out too good. How in the world am I going to afford this? <laughs> yeah. We need, now, we, James, we need to do something. You're 100% right. So now that you said that, you know, we're going to cut into a quick segue real quick, and we're going to jump into um, now that this happened, now that this, this Trump phenomenon has happened, the market has had a neat or the, the futures market has had a knee-jerk reaction, and now we're coming yeah. back. What are we trying to see what's going on? We're going to cut into the segue, and we're going to talk about what should people do now, all right? Investor Show. All right, now that we're back, uh, we're still here with uh, James here. He's going to get into now. We spoke about what. you know the Trump win means and we spoke about this pullback that we saw in the, in the uh, aftermarket that didn't carry over that we ended up into a rally all this crazy stuff all this volatility now people on the sideline people asking me hey Prince man you know I seen this I, I seen this collapse I have money sitting up I have my cash I have a 401k what should I do I want to get into investing should I jump in now what should I do you know what would you say to that person well, I think right now you're going to probably next. I, first of all, I think it's going to be very volatile 
uh, for a while. I think even when Trump goes into this thing, he settles on a cabinet, and his cabinet is, by at least a lot of people's standards, a very high-quality cabinet. Um, I, I think that he's... There's still go, there's still a lot of unknowns out there because he is just you know he came from out of the blue, so he's not used to working the political machine, and like remember you heard Lockett, Trump was challenging the Washington elites, the Washington establishment. Well, the Washington establishment is not going to give up power so easily. This is like a club, and this is why you had people like maybe your ex President Bush say they weren't going to vote for Trump. Because Trump's not in the club. Hillary's in the club. But Trump was, Trump's not in the club. And um, these guys have like a club where they want, to, they want to keep the power. They want to run everything. And that club is going to fight back. So it, it's a matter of how wow. hard Trump hits them. So you're going to have a lot of volatility, especially, I would say, probably for six weeks or so. What I would do if I was looking at him, I would say when you see those weekdays, like today it was up, so don't buy on the rallies. But if tomorrow it backtracks another 140, 100 points, it goes back down, and would, I wouldn't be surprised if this happened. I would look, you know, spend a little money. Maybe you want to buy a little bit. Now, the problem is we're almost at an all-time high here anyway. So I would kind of, I would really, you know, I would, I would look, I would only buy on down days. And I would probably look, you know, like, for example, if it looks a little stormy and things like, say tomorrow we have some crazy thing happens, like Trump goes to meet Obama at a meeting and, you know, there's some nutty, there's, there's, a, there's like a terrorist attack or somebody tries to shoot Trump, right? That's going to rock the market really hard. So the market will temporarily maybe sell down, particularly on a Friday afternoon, you might want to think about sort of averaging into that hole a little bit like that. Those are all, when it goes down, these are all buying opportunities. Um, now, it could carry okay. through the now, money. James, so now when you, you, so I want to recap what you just said. You're essentially saying, hey, just set back. It's going to be a lot of volatility. When he's saying volatility, he's talking about things going up and down, up and down. And you're saying, hey, when you see those bad days, when you see that market drop 100, 200 points, things get a little weak. Things look a little gloomy. Buy a little bit. That's what you're saying? Yeah, I, I think you got you just got to use all the weakness to your advantage. Now, does that mean if it's down 140 on Friday, it still could be down another 200 on Monday? But on the other it might be up 300. It's going to be kind of crazy for a while. And, I'll, and a lot of this is not really going to be, in the long run, it's not going to be that meaningful. It's going to make everybody a little like, people are going to be, wow, the market's really volatile. What can we expect? And, you know, you're going to get Jim Cramer and everybody else is going to be on TV and everybody's going to be throwing their opinion about what's going on. Um, so it, 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 there's, there's, I think there's going to be a lot of, and the only way for like a regular investor is just be patient and just kind of get it. You're probably not going to hit a low, low. And if you miss one, you're, there's probably going to be another day that's going to go down again. So don't cry like, oh, my God, I missed the low. I'm never going to be able to buy anything now. Don't let that pressure you. You've got, to be, you've, got to, you've got to just feed in very slowly. Now, if you're not really active and you just want to get involved, like, again, the buy days are days when it's down. You buy, like, an index fund, and then you just sit there and forget about it. You just – and – 
I wouldn't spend the whole roll right now. I would be real careful. I just, I just kind of average in slowly. We talked about this the other day, but what you might be able to do now is you might be able to, because of the volatility, you might be able to, to average, say, five worth of average in might happen in six weeks because there's going to be so much up and down. Um, wow. And, and that, okay. that would be the way, yeah, because I think you're going to have, you're going to have issues about who he's going to put in the cabinet. How, now, Trump has problems because a lot of the traditional Republicans don't like him either. So he has his own party issues. So there's, there's a lot like, what's going to happen with Paul Ryan? Are they going to try to fire Paul Or to me, what's been a big, uh, because I, I have a tendency to think Trump is going to want to get rid of Paul Ryan, maybe not right away, but I think eventually that might be a long-term goal is to get rid of Paul Ryan. Um, what about the head chairman of the Fed? I know he's criticized Yellen like a lot. Even since 2012, he's criticized Yellen. Oh, what, what I, what I think I told you last time, we call her Mother Goose. So he's giving her a hard time. She's an easy money person. She's a print money and borrow money, you know, borrow and spend and borrow and spend. And that's, that's what we got to do to get the economy going. I have a tendency to think Trump is going to look for somebody who's more uh, like a monetarist or something like an old school guy like Paul Volcker is going to say, no, we got to pay our bills. We got to pay off the deficit. We got to, we got to cut down on all this spending. We got to get ourselves organized. We can't just print money like crazy. We got to, we got to kind of ring the, we got to, interest rates have to go up. We have to create a spread between, uh, short term rates and long term rates. We got to, there's a lot of stuff that's got to go on. We can, we can't just be borrowing and spending on nothing. We got to, you know, as now, well as now, now, James, to recap on what you had said earlier, you said that hey, when people get in, you say buy a little bit. What would you tell them to buy? What would you buy? Like, hey, you know, you Ooh, say hey, would, buy well, for most small investors right now, I just think I just think like index, a lot of these index funds, I think in the long run would do are going to do really well. I mean, you know, like it's it's so hard because stocks are so investments are so personal and you really have to know a lot about who you're dealing with like who's actually buying these things on the other end of the on the other end of the call who's listening to it is it that little lady who's 90 years old with a hundred thousand dollars but she might have been buying stocks for the last 50 years or is there a little old lady who's 90 years old with a hundred thousand dollars who's never bought stock it's they might be the same age they might be both widows they might be both living on social security but they're two different kinds of investors. And, and so this is what you got to be a little careful about those kind of, these kind of generalized prescriptions. Um, I would look, you know, I just, I just think there's, you know, like you look for those big companies, those quality stocks, the, you know, um, like the bigger blue chip companies. I would not play around with small stuff or speculative stuff in this kind of environment because I just think the market's going to have so much volatility. And the big stocks are going to kind of move up and down because all these mutual funds are going to be buying them and selling them and buying them and selling them back and forth. And it's, it's like the same hundred stocks. It's like the GEs wow. and the Microsofts and all those big, the Pfizer's and the Johnson and Johnson's and all those, you know, you, you want to, you want to have solid, you know, you want to have your feet in a solid spot. Now, if the market starts to sell off heavy and it, it goes for two or three days and the volume starts to, you know, the volume skyrockets. Then you got to look to put the brakes on this thing. Either you're going to, you know, you might want to go to a short or you might want to look and just buy gold and things like that because uh, even a gold index, you know, it will probably skyrocket if things go. 
I, I just I, I, I just wouldn't bet on it. I think we're going to have a lot of short-term volatility because there's going to be a lot of one-off weird stuff. There's going to be protests. There's going to be picking a cabinet. There's going to be infighting in the Republican Party. There's going to be pushback from the Democrats who lost and crying. You know, like today you saw, what am I going to tell my children, you know? You're going to tell your children, you know, grow up and get an education, <laughs> get a job, save your money. That's what you're going to tell your children. I love these. I, you know, it's scary when you read Facebook, silly stuff you see on Facebook. Um, stuff like that. I mean, it's like, like I, I, my, my hometown is kind of funny. There was a guy who, there's like a Facebook group for the hometown. And he goes, listen, I know people are sad. I'm off today with my daughter. If you need a hug, just call me. And I'll come over and hug him. <laughs> and, and this guy is like, you got to know the guy, but he's like a character. It's really funny. And all day long, he was talking to people. And then he was put on, he goes, oh, I'm at the park in the middle of town. If anybody wants to meet me, I'll be here another hour. You just need somebody to talk to. You just need a hug. You, know, you just need whatever. <laughs> A lot of people, because the way the media portrayed Trump, and the way and it, it happened to Hillary as well, but the way all these negatives that you now, heard. Now, I had a, had another question, right? Well, so you spoke about hey, if you're long term, you want to, uh, you say, hey, buy the buy the index little by little. Now, let's say I'm that regular Joe Smoke Tucker Telly that go to school or whatever the case may be. And I really don't know anything about the market. I just kind of got a little 401k. I got a little cash to the side. Mm-hmm. I really don't watch it like that. I really don't pay attention. You know, what would you probably say to that person? Or what would you say to the person that's like, hey, what is a short-term play? Or what is some short-term stuff I can do to, you know, possibly make a profit out of this situation? Well, I, I think if you if you have the volume, if you have the money, you could probably trade the volatility a little bit. Like, like for example, if you had a day, like say tomorrow, the market sells back to 250 points. If you bought at the close, you might find that Monday morning the thing may jump up 100 points and you could be able to sell it right away. So you got to put stocks that have a large volatility level. Um, and those stocks, like I can remember like in the 90s, uh, like, well, investor, like you could go to, for example, I think like Investors Business Daily has a has a system and they have a format and they say, oh, if the stock goes down more than, I don't know what it is, 20%, that's a trigger, you sell it automatically. The, the thing is, is that a lot of stocks have very unique trading patterns. And if the market gets hot, like I can tell you, I used to, have, I used to trade Qualcomm a lot. I've around with Qualcomm for years. Now, this is going way back to the 90s, so this may not apply at all anymore. Um, but at the time when the stock was a really hot stock for a while, there were dozens of days where the stock would trade down more than 50% in one day. And I just, I just knew that stock cold, so I never worried. If I had a chance, I'd buy more. Um, we used, I used to be able to be in and out of it as well as hold it at the same time. I could do both, like a double, because I knew my stock. And I think, I think for um, if you're not really like, going to pay a lot of attention – I think, you know, this is a new beginning. I think we, if you get through this couple of weeks, you may want to look and plant yourself in an index fund and just sit in it for the next 10 years and just enjoy the ride. Because I think, you know, when you got, when Reagan got in in the 80s, once you straightened stuff out, it took about a year and a half. 
maybe two years, depending on who you talk to. Um, the market took off in 82, and it took off huge. And basically, by 87, it had almost tripled. And you're going to, you know, that's a real stock market. That's what the stock market's supposed to do. It's, it's not, it's, it's supposed to triple in a decade. And, you know, I mean, and, and, and I don't mean triple from like the, the 1987 low to the next thing, you know, like, like now, like a lot of people say, well, the stock market's up a lot. If you look at the 2008 low, well, the 2008 low was like a, a catastrophe. Um, other things affecting the stock market, look for, uh, look for Trump to push back and maybe get rid of Dodd Frank. I think the market would rock it off if you did that. That would start a huge rally. Oh man, that would the financials. The financials would go nuts, and all these banks that are beaten up, they they go nuts. Uh-huh. So you well, know that for, 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 for you for you know to cut you off, but to, I wanted you to explain when people say that, hey, if Donald Trump got rid of Dodd Frank, you know, well, what is Dodd Frank? Dodd Frank is a huge legislation. Think of it as the Obamacare for the financial services business. After the, the crisis in 2008, we basically had, um, you know, Lehman Brothers, which, which kind of peaked when Lehman Brothers went bankrupt, but you had Bear Stearns go under, you had uh, Merrill Lynch and uh, Bank of America kind of were forced into a shotgun marriage. You had like all that go on, all that chaos because of the CDOs. Uh, the government by, I guess it was the next year, they put together this youth bill, it's 2,000 pages, and it was called Dodd-Frank. And what Dodd-Frank was supposed to do is protect consumers and make sure this stuff never happened anymore. That's the way they sold it to people. The reality is Dodd-Frank just basically put everything that was wrong in suspended animation and legitimized or institutionalized a lot of the bad behavior. For example, there's a lot of banks now that are under, that are governed under the rule of too big to fail. So they're regulated on this idea that the taxpayer, if they start to go bankrupt, the taxpayers have to bail them out, not might wow. bail them out, have to bail them out. Also, there's a lot of things called key industries that are now also under too big to fail. So these are the kind of things. Now, what that's done is, and the government is kind of taking control of the financial business. They're, kind of, they're even trying to put things like the CPFB, I don't know if I got the acronym right, which just was declared unconstitutional by a court. Um, things like that are trying to tell you what you're allowed to buy and not buy in your IRA. They're trying to control the investment process. And that to wow, me they're is saying, hey, dangerous. I guess they're trying to say this is too risky or right. this shouldn't be in a person's portfolio. This is, he shouldn't be allowed to have that. That's too right. risky and this is an enormous government overreach. And this is, this is, again, one of the reasons why Trump got elected, because there's a lot of people in this country who are sick and tired of being told what to do, what to think, and the idea that somebody is allowed to do that is really irritating. And, and, it, it's, and this is a case, just Obamacare, where with the best intentions, maybe some people might think otherwise, it was like big government overreach, and it didn't really, they used the problem, like Obamacare, what's the problem? Healthcare was expensive. Not everybody could afford it. People would run to emergency rooms because of catastrophic things, right? So what do we, well, we're going to make insurance and everybody's got to buy it. Okay, that was the answer. Well, that didn't really work as we see now because premiums are skyrocketing. The healthcare is mediocre at best. And the deductibles are so big on a lot of these policies, nobody can use them anyway. So basically, you're just paying a tax for something that you can't use. 
Um, this is the same kind of thing they tr- they try to they try to do with the finance. That's why you don't see any new investment banks. That's why you're not really seeing any growth in banking. You're not seeing any growth in assets. It's just, or, and what they've done is to prop up these businesses. Is the Federal Reserve has been printing money, and I know that guys like Larry Kudlow and a lot of these other guys are got to be telling Obama. I mean, got to be telling Trump. Uh, you gotta when you get in there. You gotta we gotta do something about this Dodd Frank. This is a this is a threat to the whole financial system. This is not cool. And so I have a feeling right probably right after Obamacare that might be the next big thing they're gonna hit them really hard with that. And man, uh, just just talks of getting rid of Dodd Frank. I can see that rallying the market. Oh like yeah, crazy. that would be huge. I would say if there were still Obamacare, it's going to end up rallying. You might see the drug stocks and a lot of. Um, uh, the companies that make all the medical equipment and things like that, they may all rally like crazy. You may, it may not, but that would be a place I'd be looking, you know, all those kind of things. Um, you gotta, you, you gotta free the minds. You gotta open, you know, you gotta allow people to fail because then you'll create success. People will take risks. Uh, and by taking risks, they're going to develop new products. They're going to find new cures. They're going to, it speeds up the whole process of all this stuff. Yes, sometimes it's very expensive. Sometimes it's very unfair that somebody can only do something just because they can afford it. Okay? But in the long run, think about the computers. When they first started, IBM used to have huge rooms with one big computer, and only a company could afford to buy it. Then what happened? Eventually, guys like Bill Gates came along, and suddenly everybody in the world had a computer. Now, everybody's got that computing power in their phone. In their phone, and, exactly. Yeah, so it, it, so it, so it got there. And, and look at the Internet. Let's face it. The Internet is the great leveler. It, who you are, everybody has access to information. you just got to be able to learn how to use it correctly, and you got to know what to look at, and you got to learn how to, like – to, how to decipher what's the fact from the fiction because everything's on the internet. But like the internet, it used to be, hey, if I was if I was wealthy and, and connected, I could travel to Europe and I could do all these things. And if you weren't, you would never have those opportunities. But now with the internet, hey, I can go on a virtual tour of Florence right now. I can go to France and look at the winery and do a virtual tour, or I can even talk to a tour guide online about the tour he wants to give me if I fly to France. And we could talk about the and, wines and everything we're going to taste. Like, it, it's just like you couldn't have done that like 20 years ago. People would have had pictures to show you and video to oh, show you. Right, all this right, right. Everything and everything's at your fingertips. So that kid who's sitting there in some really bad neighborhood in some run place in the middle of nowhere, is, he can get online. He can, look, he can look at the Mars rover on Mars just like everybody else can. He can do. He can. He can go to NASA's website. He can do all of, it's, it's the, the. It's the great leveler. It kind of. It put everybody. It, it. It basically what it's done is it's mass produced a customized solution for everybody. Now, do people use it that way? No, they don't. They watch the Kardashians. They criticize people on Twitter. They spend a lot of time complaining. Like I've noticed the amount of, for example, um, in some of the other business interests I have, we have a casting company and we can run cat we you know you put casting calls out and you get a certain amount of people who apply if there's a misspelling in one of the casting calls you'll get like 10,000 people complaining on the page how there's a misspelling but yet only 10 people will show up for the casting call mm. and it's like 
it's like people seem to be drawn, like are using social media just to vent and complain and criticize and preach. And whereas social media is way beyond, it's way bigger than that. I mean, there's, there's just everything out there. It's like, this is like, the start off of social media. Right, right. There's, yeah, it's just, <laughs> there's, there's yeah. so much stuff and there, and there's so many options and you just, as you, as a person, you have to grab, embrace your curiosity and go do it. Well, what Trump is going to probably reintroduce, what our, what, what's happened is because of all the negatives of 2008 and a bunch of other stuff, we kind of, we kind of, the pendulum really swung and government got bigger and bigger and bigger. And there's a lot of people running around now who think the government is there to take care of everybody. Guys like Trump are, like I said, they're going to put the band back together. And they're going to bring all those Reagan guys in there. And those guys are going to say the government is the problem. We need to shrink the size of government, get government out of the way. So guys like you, entrepreneurs like you and guys like me, and there's probably people listening to this right now who have some idea to do something that probably would be really cool, but there might be some obstacles to them getting it done. Those guys are going to, those guys should be able to do whatever they want. And yeah, they're going to be able to fail. They're going to fail too. It's going to fail spectacularly. Um, but on the other hand, some are going to, some eventually, some are going to really succeed. And people who are going to fail five or six times until they succeed. Maybe 10 times. Wow. And I mean, That's if you could talk true. to anybody, like I, I heard this, I heard this interview a couple of days ago with, um, he's one of the hip hop mogul guys who started all the hip hop companies. And, uh, he does movies and oh, Russell Simmons. Oh, I, oh, Russell, Russell Simmons. Okay. Right. Russell Simmons and Russell Simmons said, and I've heard a lot of other very successful people say this over and over again. You can't give up. You got to keep at it. And that's also what we talked about with investing, investing for a lot of people. One of the things you asked me the last time we talked, why, why doesn't it work out? And I said, the biggest problem is somebody buys some, it goes down a dollar and they run away and they never do anything again. You, you gotta, you gotta hang in there. You gotta persevere. It's not going to be perfect. You may not make money the first year. Invest. You may not make money for two years because Trump may have such a mess to clean up. I, I want to tell you, the early 80s was so ugly, it almost killed the patient. Like the, wow. Paul Volcker likes, when Paul Volcker turned printing presses off and like all kinds of stuff, they started deregulating and everything happened. It was like pandemonium. I mean, companies that were in business for hundreds of years were suddenly out of business. There was leveraged buyouts. There were, there were people who were using the new ways to take advantage and make a lot of money. And, and some people felt maybe over take advantage. And then there were other people who kind of like couldn't figure out what was going on. They were trying to adjust and they were getting like steamrolled. And, uh, wow. it, this is, this is, this is the, the nature of a free society. You need that, that dynamic where people are free to take risks, but when they're free to take risks, they're also free to fail. And what's happened on our culture in the last, I would say, 15, 20 years is we become less and less free to fail, which means we become less and less free. We have That's to, true, we, have, we, we have to be able to take chances. And investing is a, you know, is a leap of faith. When you buy a stock, like even GE, you're really taking a little bit of a leap of faith to say, hey, those financial statements, they are what they say they are. They made $2 a share. They really made $2 a share. And, and sometimes, you know, what, what happened in 2008 is that became untrue and it created mm-hmm. chaos. But, like, I can go back to a, a, a crisis in the 70s. We had something called the savings and loan crisis, and all these savings banks went out of business, similar to what happened in 2008, because um, financial bubbles have a tendency to repeat themselves over and over again. And what happened? Um, 
people in that time, they took all the assets from all the savings and loans and put them in this thing called the Resolution Trust Corp. And it took the Resolution Trust Corp like 13 years to sell off all this stuff and get rid of it. But it liquidated everything over a very long period of time. And I think the government actually made some money by doing it. And some people who lost a lot of money got paid back, you know, like, you know, we're, we're whole. Now, like this time, they didn't do it. They just kind of froze everything. That's why when you're reading the papers and you see Deutsche Bank is getting fined for something they did in 2008. Cause it, and it's 2016. It's eight years later. and We're still dealing with the same problem because we haven't really fixed it. Show with Prince Dykes. And this is the thing that, 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 that is very true. How, how Dutch Bank just came out of the blue with CDOs. I'm like, I thought, I thought we got that, got rid of that with Dodd. Right, absolutely, <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. And this oh, is the things you we just elected a um, a guy who's who's not invested. He's he's not invested in Dodd Frank. He's not invested in Obamacare. He didn't do any of these things. He didn't bet his life to to create these bureaucracies. He's a he's a totally a private sector guy. But he was on TV. He just this is why people he's like a wild card or maybe you said like the Trump card. He may be able to really fix everything because he doesn't owe anything to anybody. He 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 doesn't he's not attached to Obamacare. So he can roll into Washington and say, listen, we gotta repeal this thing and fix it. There, we changed the name. We're gonna call it Trump Care. It's better already, you see? And like <laughs> you know him, he's gonna he's gonna be patting some of them back like crazy. And then people who like him like him because he does that, and people who hate him hate him because he does that, right? But it, it, yes. this is a great opportunity for everybody to kind of re we, we, we kind of got, we lost our way. And I, I think a lot of it started in 9-11, but it even started a little before then. We just got concerned, so concerned. Like, look how we are with our kids now. We don't even let them out of our sight for two minutes. When I was a kid, I would spend a whole day and I wouldn't even see my parents. I'd avoid all adults at all costs. Like, we'd be fishing and catching crayfish and building dams in the river and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. We wouldn't see adults all day long. Now kids can't even, like, they can't even go outside for three minutes. Everybody's like have to whack them every single minute. It's like we're, we've like lost the ability, we've lost the freedom to fail. And we, we I, I think with Trump, there's going to be an opportunity. Now, I could be totally wrong, and it won't go that way. And if it does, then it's going to be bad for the market. But I think what I've seen over many years is that if the government grows in size, economic opportunities shrink, and freedom kind of decreases. When government shrinks in size, economic opportunities grow because we got to do what we should be doing all about the government anyway and and yeah. and if you just think a little bit like a lot of people i'm sure there's people who listen to this they belong to a church the church asked them to to give put a couple of bucks in the box every month every week when they come into church what do they use the money for well they keep up the church but what do they do they feed the homeless they they buy food they they run all kinds of programs they babysit kids in the afternoon well we did all this before the government did it it exi- it all existed it was all there a lot of communities mm-hmm. do it anyway because they're abandoned right. by the government 
you know? Yeah. So we, we have the ability to do all those things. And, and, and even in the most awful things, like during periods where there was segregation and things like that, if you had segregation, you still have all those businesses in the segregated sides, like you had the businesses for the whatever the white people, let's say, for lack of a better word, and you had the businesses that took care of black people. Well, there was all those businesses. Where did they all go? Right? So exactly. there was, right. There was there was all those people cutting hair, cutting lawns, raking leaves, fixing the Tax sidewalks, drivers. painting houses, doing all those things. They were doing them. So yep. so yep. we need to we need to shed ourselves from this crutch. We all feel like you know the government's going to protect us, or we feel safer, or we we're too scared to fail. Failing is good. We learn when we fail. We don't we never learn anything when it works out or when we get lucky. And that's why okay. later on when it go ahead like 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 you said about that you know looking back on everything uh, that you just laid out about the new Trump administration, the team they're bringing along, how did this mm-hmm. win happen, how does it look like for the market, things he could do, you know, what people should do and what they could do to take uh, advantage of volatility, taking advantage of uh, long-term indexes. You know, I have all that stuff on my on my channel here and, you know, yes. stuff like that to tell people how to do all that. But, you know, wrapping this thing up, what would you want to leave people with? Oh, I think that, first of all, Whatever your negative, wherever you stood politically or whatever, whatever your negative thing in your head or you, you're worried that whatever, I, I know girls will say, oh, they're, they're going to do this and they're going to get rid of abortion. And I know people will say they're going to be, we're going to be segregated again or like some crazy, like I hear all these nutty things like this. Get all that stuff out of your head. It is, it is, it is entirely untrue. That's not what it's about. Now you have a new president. Where did he come from? He's been a businessman in New York City for 40 years. Okay? Have you ever been to New York City? I know you have because that's how we met. You go to New York City, right? Try to not be a people person and not deal with people, not deal with, with, with crazy stuff, have like subway breaking down and traffic and all the things that go on in New York. Try, try being there and being all these negative things that you hear about, say, Trump, or you've heard or you're worried about. There's no way you could have survived even five minutes in New York. And this is, this is what the, this is what you gotta be confident. You gotta say, okay, this may not be my guy. I might have liked her better. But I gotta, I gotta give him a chance, and let's let's see if we can get this thing going. And just because you say you want to repeal Obamacare doesn't mean you don't think people should have health care. It means we need to try a different, we need a different solution. The problem we tried a solution, it didn't really work. We still have that problem, so now we have to try a different solution. And I think a lot of people get brainwashed into this idea like whatever they did, Obamacare or Social Security before, Medicare before, you know, in the past, things like that, that was the only option. No, that's never, there's never only one. There's always different ways to do stuff. There's always another way. And one thing you're going to learn about Trump, because I've seen it in New York City for many years before he was a politician, is he is one of those guys who will look at anything and he will always figure out some weird way to do something that everybody will look at this Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that's up. something totally different. And people will go, I can't believe he did, he did that. Like, wow. And, and, it, and it will seem like, at first, it might seem like a stupid idea, or that's not going to work or work at the beginning. But all of a sudden, he's going to pull a rabbit out of the hat. 
all those things that like he doesn't listen to people. I know him. He he's one of those guys that if you talk to him once, remember every single thing you said to him. Period. Trouble forever. He is he is like he listens to everything everybody says. All that stuff was just does. Yeah, you know, the things you heard about him in the campaign, like he only does it on his own. He doesn't listen to people. That is total nonsense. And it, it's so you just have to like. Let's see. We're going to bring in a new group. It's going to be from the '80s. Probably they're going to be like that's why I said to put the band back. It's going to be Arthur Laffer. It's going to be growth driven. It's going to be smaller government. It's going to be more opportunities for people. Mind you, more opportunities to fail. Um, and I think as an investor, I just look at the '80s and then you and then you go into the '90s. You had, I mean, the market was a thousand like 1980. I don't even think it was a thousand. And what was it? In two, what did it get to in 2000? By the time. What was it, 1,200 or 12,000 or 14,000? I don't even remember the exact numbers, but think about 20 years you went, you, you went up that much. So if you were to just bought some index funds in the first two years of 1980 and just went to sleep, and then in 2001, after 9-11, even after the market crashed, and you would have said, I'm going to cash out and sell everything, I'm sure you would have made some money. That's like it just, but that's good, this, you know. That that's good though, all the all the information you just put out and stuff like that that we just give it in this episode and Trump being the uh the Trump car for Donald being the Trump car yeah, for America. We hope so. Is he the Donald? Sure so. Is he is he's the thing? And uh, you know, we're gonna end this episode. It's always James, it's always great to have you. It's always great to uh hear your uh your your take on things and sharing your expertise, taking us all the way, you know, back to all the different eras. And I'm sure you're going to be back. And uh, you know, uh, it, it's, it's great to know you and to have you a friend, someone I can uh, reach out. And I'm pretty sure all my fans and stuff like that uh, love to have you as well. But as, as always, guys, this is the uh, Investor Show. James, you want to say something before we? Yeah, I just it? want to say thanks again for having me on. It's mm-hmm. always a pleasure. It's really a pleasure. You're, you're just mm-hmm. you're doing such a great job. And I see mm-hmm. from some of the comments on the website and everything, like you have your, your, your viewers, your fans, I don't know what you want to call them, your, your network that's building up, because it's, it's like a combination. I think some people really are fans, and other people are just trying to get some information. You know, they're trying to learn yeah. like everybody else. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're really enthusiastic. I think you just do a great job, and it, it's just always a pleasure to be on. Oh, Definitely. As always, guys, this is the Investor Show. Uh, the producer of the show is always Byron J. Hit him up at Ending Dreams on Twitter. Uh, all the other great stuff. Uh, and to the next episode, you guys talk right and know what to do. Peace, be safe, and I'm out.